And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. In the councils of government, we must guard against the acquisition of unwarranted influence, whether sought or unsought, by the military-industrial complex. That we can, and so help us God, we will make America great again. What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of the No Gimmicks Podcast. I'm your humble host, as always, Brady Leonard. Hopefully you guys are having a fantastic week. Uh, great show for you today. I was joined by my friend Reed Cooley from Young Americans for Liberty. Uh, it was a great time talking to Reed. He's a good guy, really smart guy. Uh, we had a great conversation. I think you guys will enjoy it. We covered uh, Andrew Cuomo's resignation, obviously, the big news of the day. We talked about uh, what's going on right now over in Afghanistan and, and a bunch of other stuff. We covered a lot. I think you guys will really enjoy it. Before I get to Reed, guys, if you haven't already, please follow us on Twitter at No Gimmicks Pod. Please subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure to subscribe. And if you are on iTunes, please take literally five seconds. It's really quick, painless, easy um, to give us a a five-star rating and a good review over on iTunes. That really helps us out, helps us move up the iTunes charts and all that good stuff. And if you like the show and want to get involved with what we're doing over here, you can support us monthly over on Patreon, patreon.com slash the No Gimmicks Podcast. All right, without further ado, the great Reed Cooley. All right, guys, we're here with my brother, Reed Cooley, from Young Americans for Liberty. Reed, my man, how have you been? I am awesome, man. How are you, man? I'm great. I'm doing great. I just realized it's been like two years since, uh, I mean, you and I keep in touch pretty regularly, but it's been a long time since you've been on the show, man. Thanks for taking the time today. Yeah, not a problem, dude. Glad to be on. So, as always, a ton. A ton to get to. We're going to try to cover all of it. Uh, Obviously, we know where we have to start today. Andrew Cuomo uh, is resigning as governor of New York, one of... Truly one of the most wicked men in, in recent American politics. Uh, he's finally gone, and don't let the door sexually assault you on the way out. <laughs> yeah, no, good riddance to him. Uh, Cuomo should have been gone uh, years and years ago. I mean, I do have one question. Though, is, is it too late to tar and feather him on his way out, or is that pretty much off limits, or is the boat, has the boat already sailed on that one? I'm, I'm down for anything with, with this guy. I mean, typically I don't endorse starring and feathering. You know, it's a little biblical uh, for me. But uh, <laughs> yeah, man, I uh, look. Are you as shocked as I am that he resigned? I mean, I I mean, as of yesterday morning, I was like, "There's no way." I think I was. I, somebody should probably. I should delete those tweets before somebody screenshots them. But I was like, "There's absolutely no way." Like he's not. He's not leaving. I figured he'd pull a, a Northam or a, a Clinton and and just ride it out. Uh, actually, no, Brady. Um, I'm not even a little bit surprised. I mean, typically, you know, whenever whenever rumors fly for this long, I mean, this has been, you know, the rumors have been going on for, I've been hearing them for at least two years, just different rumblings about, about Cuomo uh, here and there. And, you know, even the, the left-wing media just picked it up. And if you remember, it was about five or six months ago, um, there was a, a Democratic member of the state legislature uh, that went on CNN and Fox News uh, you know, with these wild stories about how he had been intimidated into silence, been given a gag order by Cuomo, uh, been given numerous threats of blackmail of, and this and that. Um, you know, so you've seen like members of Cuomo's own party uh, in his own state turn against him. Uh, you've seen you know, the liberal media. They've become more critical. You're seeing stuff from years past uh, come to light. And, you know, so I'm going to be honest with you. I wasn't really all that surprised because these things, they typically don't just go away. But I'm glad you brought up Northam because if the whole Northam, I guess if we can compare the Northam scenario to the Cuomo scenario, it teaches us you know one thing here, and that's that had Cuomo just worn blackface at some point in the past, he could have survived this whole thing. 
Uh, lesson to future Democratic governors, I suppose. But I think uh, I, I really do think Joe Biden and, and his dementia brain let it slip uh, last night. I think he kind of he, he kind of showed showed where the ball is he, when he was asked. I, I forget who asked him. I think it was someone from CNN um, was asked about Cuomo. Biden said that Cuomo was a heck of a governor. He did a great job, except for the rape stuff. <laughs> you know, and I, I think I think that's the point. I think that's what happened. I I wouldn't be surprised if the White House begged Cuomo to resign. Um, they really needed to sweep the the whole you know nursing home genocide thing under the rug that the, the thirteen thousand elderly deaths in New York uh, mm-hmm. they they needed to hide that they needed to get rid of that um, so they can keep up the propaganda line that these Democratic governors were great on COVID and that lockdowns are yeah. great and and all this they needed Cuomo gone so they can go back to slandering you know Ron DeSantis yeah you know and I was talking to my friend uh, Eric Breaking uh, just yesterday about this he works as our senior spokesperson. Uh, here at YAL. And I mean, he had a really, you know, compelling point about this whole thing. And that's that, uh, let's not, let's not kid ourselves here. The the sex scandal is not why Andrew Cuomo is being fired. Okay. Yeah. It's not why he's being pressured into resignation. It probably has a lot more to do with the, the nursing home scandal, for example, and this horrible handling of COVID. But get this, if Cuomo would have had to resign in disgrace for, let's say the nursing home scandal, or just any way that he handled COVID, think about how many other Democrat governors across the country emulated, you know, Cuomo's example, followed yeah. in his footsteps, did exactly what he was doing, right? You're talking about Newsom, you're talking about Whitmer, Whitmer you're talking yeah. about Janet Mills up in Maine. And so if, if Cuomo would have had to have stepped down in disgrace over his handling of COVID, right, over his COVID tyranny, that would have implicated so many other Democrat governors and even mayors across the country. So of course, they're going to use a different pretext, right? Um, so like I said, I think Brakey was really onto something there. And he also told me like, one thing you got to understand about politics is that whenever it comes to, to almost every high ranking politician, if not all of them, there are, there are people in the shadows really who collect, you know, blackmail files on every single one of them and can use them as soon as that person becomes too much of an inconvenience, as soon as they rock the boat too much, they can use that against them and, and to get rid of them, you know, for, for being an inconvenience or whatever else. So like I said, I think Brakey was onto something there. Um, and the truth of the matter is I don't think that the media is ever going to be totally forthcoming with the real reason or any of the real reasons uh, Como uh, stepped down. Right. You're, that's absolutely correct. And it is it is sickening, man. I, I hate I hate that this guy went down for grabbing boobs instead of genocide of the elderly. <laughs> you know, I mean, not that, you know, sexual assault yeah. is anything to laugh at. I mean, obviously, it's horrible right. and evil. Um, but it's like, come on, man. It, it is sickening to me that the press and the DNC got the cover that they needed. You know, I mean, look, I, like I will say, just a side note, anytime a bad man is forced to resign in disgrace, it's a good day. Like, I'd rather have him gone than still mm-hmm. the governor of New York, obviously. But this is a win for the White House. It's a win for, like you mentioned, those other governors, Newsom and Whitmer and all these monsters. And it's a win for the press also because they get to they don't have to worry about the the mass murder in in mm-hmm. nursing homes. They don't have to worry about that issue coming up anymore. They can focus on on slandering Republicans. And one last note on the Cuomo saga. It's just, man, I, I, I'm always, it's almost jarring how the corporate press has just been just crushing it for the, for the last year. I mean, for a year, they, they propped <laughs> up Cuomo and Newsom as the best governors in the country, as the gold standard for governors. Yep. And there's a chance, there's a, there's a, let, there's a more than zero chance. There's a not nothing chance that Gavin Newsom is going to be thrown out of office next month as well. So it's like, uh, yep. I mean, the, the polls seem to be tightening for his, for his uh, recall election. Uh, 
man, if the two kings of the Democratic Party are both unemployed by, I, I think it's like September 15th or something like that, mm-hmm. boy, oh boy, that that would be just... I mean, imagine the party over at uh, Ron DeSantis' house, yeah, if that were the case. Yeah, but can you just imagine, uh, you know, the eviction moratorium applying to Como and Newsom, like some crazy <laughs> circumstance happens, and like they get to continue to live in the governor's mansions of New York and California uh, because of the CDC's eviction moratorium? You know, like, uh, and actually, I think that might be a net positive because that might piss off the left uh, just enough to get them to actually fight the eviction moratorium, right? But uh, no, it's... Um, <clears throat> No, it's it, it's crazy. Yeah, you 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 put it in an interesting way there. You're talking about the two kings of the Democratic Party, right? I think I think we could definitely call them that. Uh, you know, for all intents and purposes. But when it comes to to the corporate media, right? You know, um, they they really have been crushing it. I mean, the propaganda machine has been working day in and day out as as effectively as you can possibly imagine. I mean, let's be real. Joseph Goebbels would be in awe of the corporate press. Here in America, if he saw just how effective effective they are at, at, at protecting their own, at getting the message they want to cross, at absolutely dictating every single corner of the narrative. Yeah, I mean, it's it's straight out of rules for radicals, right? You know, it's the uh, mm-hmm. one of the, the communist tactics is just accuse your opponent of doing exactly what you're doing. I mean, it's like it comes out the Cromwell murders 13,000 elderly people and then they start calling DeSantis death Santis. They do Ron DeSantis is killing people. Even though Florida has the oldest population in the country and is 26th in terms of deaths per million when New York is second, only to uh, New Jersey in deaths per million. I mean, they're just literally accusing their political uh, political opponents of exactly what they're doing. I mean, you have have Andrew Cuomo grabbing every ass within 100 miles of Albany, and then you accuse, you know, Brett Kavanaugh of of being a, a gang rapist or something. Yeah, no, no, you're 100% right. And I just got to say, I think Drew Holden deserves a huge shout out here. Um, you know, just this this thread of threads that he started where he's <laughs> actually taking screen caps of, uh, of like these, what journalists said a year ago, uh, you know, praising Cuomo, some of them openly identifying as homosexuals and all sorts of other stupid stuff. And then putting them side by side with what those journalists are saying today, right? Um, I mean, Drew Holden has been absolutely on fire. Uh, here and some of this stuff is just hilarious, you know. Beyond like you know the obvious few, like uh, like Trevor Noah, for example, I think he was on Ellen DeGeneres's show. Um, it was it was about a year ago, maybe a little bit longer, uh, saying uh, you know that his Tinder profile or whatever uh, has him listed as a homosexual. Yeah, they had Stephen Colbert, Chelsea Handler, all just you know elitist propagandists, just like what we were talking about a second ago uh, in my book, just praising Cuomo, and and a lot of them are just turning against him now. Um, found another one. It was, it was hilarious. This is from uh, Rebecca Fishbein with Jezebel, uh, an absolute gold standard of journalistic excellence, as we all know. I get this. This was uh, March of 2020. Uh, I, I'm just going to read it out loud. The name of this article she wrote is, and this is supposed to be journalism, okay? Help. I think I'm in love with Andrew Cuomo. And she put three question marks on the end, right? So, you know, she's she's very good with her punctuation. She's absolutely on point with that. But, uh, yeah, no, it's it, and like there are tons of other examples of this kinds of thing we've seen. But it's absolutely sickening. Um, you know, it's 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 it, like, you, you don't know whenever it's going to end. You know, you don't know what the next level of crazy is going to be whenever it comes to these people. Oh, man. And I'm, I'm trying to I, I should have saved some of the tweets. I was going to read a couple Jen Rubin tweets on air today, but I can't find them presently. I'll come back to it because it's just sure. I don't think anybody has had better 
Cuomo takes than Jen Rubin. I mean, just the oh man, over the top, just gushing love for this guy. Man, oh man. And you know, it's fun too. Like anytime, I, at least if I knowingly or if not knowingly, but if I you know if I screw something up big time on the podcast. I say something that isn't true. Somebody points it in, you know, points it out to me. I'll, I'll correct it. I, I'll lead off the next episode like, guys, I messed this up. My bad. This is what I should have said. None of these people like, <laughs> like being a leftist means you never have to apologize to anybody. It's hilarious. I mean, they just completely move on. Like Jen mm-hmm. Rubin's first tweet after Cuomo resigned was like, "Yay, we get the first female governor of New York." <laughs> it's like, oh lady, man, like you're not, yeah. There's no remorse. Like there's nothing. Like you can't be like, oh man, I, I guess I was wrong. Nothing. I mean, they just move on. It's hysterical. I think there's no, these people have no self-awareness. So I think I found the tweet from Jen Rubin that you were talking about. Uh, This is March 25th, 2020. It reads, watching Andrew Cuomo is inspiring, uplifting, fascinating. He weaves details and humor and math and common sense all together. He is magnificent. Let's just listen to him. Like, (laughs) oh my God, like... You know, okay, first of all, like a lot of these people are calling themselves homosexuals, right? Let me just be let me be clear here. I want to come openly out as a as a certified homophobe, okay? Uh, I think it's, it's time to take all the all the homos and separate themselves from the rest of society. Yeah. <laughs> like I I'm oh, and it's like and speaking of which, like Chris needs to be held accountable too. I mean, it was his brother on CNN. Uh, who was helping humanize Andrew almost over the last year, glorifying him, glamorizing him. But it goes just beyond, you know, like this common notion we hear of among libertarians of state worship, right? Like, yeah, obviously, you know, the left, you know, leftists, the corporate media, so on and so forth, you know, they're engaged in state worship. But I mean, we're talking about the fetishization of of, of, of politicians. I mean, that's just plain creepy, man. Like, it's just, you're, you're talking about all these people just flocking to this twiddling gargoyle who's been lucky enough to be you know, the governor of New York for the last decade. Uh, you know, like Michael Malice has this comparison that he alludes to all the time, right? You know, about how the state is the cathedral. And I'm super happy to see that that's caught on with, with more mainstream audiences right. uh, over the last couple of years, uh, because I think it, it's 100% accurate, right? And, yeah. you know, the way that I see it, the woke left, you know, the state, you know, the sort of intersectionality dogma, it really has dethroned Christianity, in my opinion, as the dominant religion in America. But when we look at what's happening with Cuomo over the last, you know, over the last just 24 hours, right? And I guess going back before then, but in, in particular over the last 24 hours, when it kind of, like, if we want to think about the state as the cathedral, we're talking about the fetishization of the clergy at this point, right? Which yeah. is just so damn weird and creepy to me. And I'll yeah. say this, you know, I like to take shots at both at both the right and the left. But when it comes to to this creepy treatment of our politicians, it's not a 50-50 thing. No. No, it's I not. I mean, yeah, we saw we saw conservatives, you know, a lot of libertarians, people across the right praising like Ron DeSantis uh, and Christy Nome, you know, throughout COVID for refusing to lock down their states and so on and so forth, but I never heard any conservatives praising Christy Nome identifying as nomosexuals or, or anything <laughs> like exactly yeah you know it's like this isn't a 50 50 thing you know but i mean it wasn't that long ago that you had evangelical christians uh evangelical conservatives saying that you know george w bush was appointed by jesus christ you know to lead this country after 9 11 it sure the right is prone to this kind of behavior to this mode of thinking or lack thereof 
but it's not a 50-50 thing. Like, it, it's not even close, right? No. And you, you have to think, you have to hope that for our friends on the left, there will be a lesson learned here. I mean, there's got to maybe just think twice for a second before worshiping a politician. I mean, mm-hmm. they, they have to, right? They, they, you can't. I mean, but they're going to do it again. They're going to. They're going to. Yep. I'm not that. I'm not that optimistic, honestly, Reed. Like, I, they're going to do it again yep. for the next guy. Um, it's it's just sad. You'd think. You'd think. Um, I'm just trying to put myself in their position. You you'd think that you would you would pause for a second. You'd take a minute to think. All right. All right. Maybe. Oh. You know, maybe we shouldn't just slobber all over this guy. And it, it's just funny, man. It's funny. And you're, you're right. You're right. Obviously, with um, you know, in the early 2000s, there was there was some weird, uh, the weird stuff said on on the Christian right about uh, George Bush. Um, a, a lot of it. Not. I, I'm sure there were some people that were really over the top. I think a, a lot of people. A lot of times when Christians say that, um, they are just they're they're quoting a a, a Bible verse saying that like you know. Yeah, the, the government was they're allowed to, you know, they are appointed by God in the sense that, you know, God allows them to rule over people. So, you know, like if God didn't want them there, he could remove them, obviously, which is, of course, true. But, um, you know, it's just not even like moderate Republicans, even like people that aren't, you know, libertarian at all or aren't even that conservative, really. Um, there's still like some kind of baseline distrust of power uh, among mm-hmm. most Republicans, not all. Um, you saw some of the hardcore MAGA guys just go over the top with with President Trump. But like, you know, within the Republican Party, I'd say at least with 75 percent of Republicans, there is just like a, a, a gut level distrust of government, um, which goes all the way back to the American founding, I'd say. Um, so mm-hmm. you, you're not going to see it to the same extent. I mean, it was just it was the entire Democratic Party, man, the entire left, the entire press just worshiping these guys, you know, like like Cuomo and others. And you're right. It's just not. You know, it, it's not a 50-50 proposition at this point. One, another thing we, we really have to talk about, and this is just breaking um, uh, this morning, is that the White House is now urging OPEC to pump more oil. Um, mm-hmm. This is hilarious. I mean, this is like, I mean, if it wasn't so destructive, it would be a lot funnier. But included in the statement from the National Security Advisor is this great line from Joe Biden. Quote, President Biden has made it clear that he wants Americans to have access to affordable and reliable energy. <clears throat> Boy, that's rich. I mean, if only the United yeah. States was capable of producing our own energy. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, it's and like there's something else we got to think about, right? So, you know, the, the news that I was reading this morning indicated that you know the Biden administration wanted you know OPEC uh, you know to start you know, start producing more oil to avert a a global economic catastrophe, right? Well, if the White House is so concerned with averting a global economic catastrophe, they need to stop all this damn inflation. I mean, let's let's not forget. You know, this urging from the White House to OPEC came within hours of the passage of yet another one trillion dollar infrastructure bill on top of all the trillions and trillions of infrastructure uh, that we've already spent. And I mean, I'll tell you this. I haven't seen any damn roads built. I mean, have you? maybe you have up in Ohio. I haven't seen any damn roads built here, Brady, ever since the passage of all these infrastructure bills. Maybe Texas just isn't getting, you know, quite as much of the goods as everybody else. But. There was an, another stat that I found was that uh, over the next five years, we're going to actually have about $256 billion tacked onto our deficits every year for the next five years. So we already got to the point where we were running trillion-dollar deficits under the Trump administration, but now we're talking about another quarter of a trillion dollars on top of that over these infrastructure bills. So it's just hilarious to me that you know, 
you know, President Biden, he's, he's really pushing Congress to pass these infrastructure bills, right? He's really pressuring them into that. But as soon as as soon as those are passed, as soon as it gets through the Senate, he's begging OPEC, you know, to, to start you know, producing more oil or letting some of the oil that's already been put in barrels out into the market. You know, so I guess if you want to stop a, a damn global catastrophe, maybe listen to a thing or two that the Austrians have been saying for some time now, and that is stop the inflation. It's it's it's, it's absolutely got to stop here. A hundred percent. You're you're obviously a hundred percent correct. And it's just we, we were pretty close to energy independence um, before before Joe Biden took office. I mean, we were producing a lot of our own energy. Yeah. We we're actually exporting a lot of oil um, for the first time ever. Um, and and Joe Biden, he, he went to war with the energy sector. He eviscerated our yep. our, our energy sector, He's shutting down all these pipelines, uh, going after fracking, all to placate, you know, AOC and her dumb little friends. I mean, it's like. If it isn't well, well, well. If it isn't elections and and their and their consequences, and and you're right, yeah. the timing with with you know this statement, uh, literally hours after after printing the Senate passing a bill that will print another 1.2 trillion dollars for no reason and call it infrastructure. It's like, come on, guys. And and by the way, uh, just on that infrastructure bill, I think we do have to mention 19 Republicans voted for it. 19. Yeah, absolutely. Only, yeah, only no, thir- that, that's absolutely despicable. Only 30 senators voted against this monstrosity. It is, it's amazing. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's why Yao has Operation One at the door, right? We're going to replace those 19 bastards who voted for this thing. That's right. Uh, you know, that's uh, that's at least, you know, that's our hope at least. But no, like there is something especially pathetic about the president of the United States having to beg a cartel of 13 foreign countries to produce our oil for us, right? Whenever we have more than enough capability to become, you know, energy independent. And it just like you said, as we almost were uh, right before Biden took office. And let's not forget, like, you know, we love to to point out how much of an economic failure Venezuela is. Right. Venezuela is one of the 13 countries in OPEC. Right. Yes. Iran is another one of them. So we're having yes. to beg. There's something really just wrong here about having to beg impoverished socialist countries to produce our oil for us. Right. Because for, for, for whatever reason, the political re- the political levers aren't set right for the United States to become energy independent, right? It's just, it's it's all crazy to me. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's inexcusable. It's inexcusable. Even just on, on the political level with these 19 senators, and it's all the, you know, the, the, the you, you already know. <laughs> Everybody listening, it's all the, the usual offenders, you know, Mitch McConnell, Mitt Romney, mm-hmm. Rob Portman. Yeah, Susan State, Collins. Susan oh, Collins, yeah. Lisa Murkowski. It's all, it's all the repeat offenders, but... Um, even just on a political level, why? I, I just don't. I don't understand. I mean, the the Biden White House, um, and and both houses of Con- houses of Congress led by Schumer and Pelosi. I mean, their goals are to absolutely crush the Republican Party. I mm-hmm. mean, they, they, it is their mission that with all this January sixth nonsense. I mean, just to demonize all Republicans as racist or or whatever, and and supporting the Capitol riot and all of this, and they're you know. And and why why and that that's their been their entire focus this entire year. Why would you one? Why would you be com- complicit in, in in blowing up inflation and printing another one point two trillion dollars? I mean that's an evil thing to do. Inflationary spending is evil. It's not just bad policy. It's it's evil to knowingly destroy the economy. You're hurting real people, destroying lives, causing suicides. You know, like when when inflation goes up, the suicide rate goes up. When unemployment goes up, the suicide rate goes up. These are real people. These are real businesses. It's not monopoly mm-hmm. money. So aside from just the evils of voting for something like this, why would you hand a political win to these people that are that have their hands around your throat? 
Discord absolutely trying to crush you. I just don't, and there's no reason to do it. I mean, they gained, the Republicans that voted for this gain nothing. They just hand Joe Biden a political win. I just don't, yeah. on any level, morally, politically, it makes absolutely no sense. Well, I could go on about, you know, this kind of thing all day. But, like, uh, I was talking to a good buddy of mine uh, about this a couple of weeks ago, and he, he put it really well. I said, Republicans are just heels for Democrats. That's pretty much all they're good for, right? And I, I think that's 100% true. So you point out the fact that this is this is going to look like a win for Biden, okay? The Republicans are not going to be, even even the 19 Republicans who voted you know for it, they're not going to be praised by the media. If, if they no. get any positive no. coverage, it'll be like maybe, yeah, and Senator Romney, you know, da 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 And it, it'll be, you know, cursory. It'll be forgotten about. Um, so, yeah, they're, they're going to hand a political win to Joe Biden. And even the 19 Republicans who came out you know, and voted for this thing are going to be demonized. They're going to be portrayed as villains here. They're, you know, the, the everyday people are going to assume that they tried to stop the bill from passing. So um, I think it, it goes down to the fact that, you know, just the Republican Party, A, it has no balls. Uh, the Republican Party uh, couldn't really give a damn about the everyday people of this country. Um, and yeah, I, you know, I was talking to Eric Brakey about this again uh, just a couple of days ago. We don't really have a lot of like true conservatives in this country. No. Most people, especially politicians who identify as conservatives, they're really just right wing progressives. You know, yeah. they're right wing Keynesians. Yeah. As Michael Malice commonly puts it. You know, they're just their progressives driving the speed limit, right? Yeah, conservatism um, is progressivism driving the speed limit. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's hard to argue. With this, it's hard to argue, man. It's hard yeah, to argue. Yeah, no, it's that. it's really impossible to argue with it at this point. And you know, um, I don't. I'm not one of these people that uh, that like that looks forward to the system collapsing or anything like that. That that's not who I am because I understand that when this whole House of Cards collapses, it's going to hurt a lot of a lot of you know good ordinary people yes. who really had nothing to do with it. Right? It's not going to yes. be. Uh, I'm not one of these uh, one of one of these death cultists, right? Who just, who who wants that to happen? But I do think that people aren't going to learn their lesson, change their voting habits, change which parties they vote for, for example, which parties they support. Or anything like that until until the House of Cards collapses. I mean, and that's that's a really unfortunate uh, scenario to to have to think about here. But yeah. I don't know that I see any way around it. I mean, we, how long have we been running trillion dollar deficits? Our national debt is nearly thirty trillion dollars, uh, which is just an absolutely mind boggling amount. We tack on another trillion dollars uh, like it means absolutely nothing. Uh, I mean, it is it is practically monopoly money. Uh, at this point, or at least it, it's it's damn sure getting there. And and me, you know, nothing, nothing from anybody. You know, uh, I guarantee, you know, Mitt Romney and Lisa Murkowski, maybe not Susan Collins, but Mitch McConnell, they're going to win re-election because you know, not just because they're going to have the support of the party, the National Party on their side, they're going to win re-election because they're going to be just enough people in their home states to vote them back to put them across the finish line again because people just. People aren't waking up to this. And I think that the only thing that can wake people up at this point and get them to stop voting for rhinos and whatever else is going to be a, unfortunately, a serious loss of their quality of life, a, a, you know, a great you know, downturn um, in, in, in their quality of life as an American. And like I said, it's not, it's not a good thing. It's not something that, that you should wish for, right? Absolutely. Um, <clears throat> but uh, Jeff Deist was actually on, uh, on a podcast with the Babylon Bee. Um, I think this was back in January, and uh, he made another good point, and that's that people 
like people in the in the Austrian school, libertarians in particular, and, and some other people on the political right, for example, they seem to understand more so than the left does that everything that we enjoy in this country, our economic prosperity, um, that this this stuff can go away. Like this stuff is not just you know here. Well, you know they understand more so that we can't just take this kind of thing for granted, right? I mean, look at Zimbabwe. Look look at look at the Weimar Republic. What do those two very real relatively recent historical examples to which we can point um, have in common. Hyperinflation, right? You're talking yeah. about in the Weimar Republic, for example, people having to take wheelbarrows full of full of currency just to buy a loaf of bread, for example. And if we don't stop this trillion dollar spending, um, you know, this, this insane, uh, just absolutely reckless, self-destructive, um, you know, way of thinking economically, you know, born with, born with, with the school of thought uh then then i mean i think you know that's the kind of reality that we're that we're hurtling towards yeah you're you're 100 correct you're 100 correct and i'm still um uh eric brakey and and dave smith did a debate about this and, and I'm, I'm i'm still with eric 100 uh, percent on on whether or not libertarians should join the republican party or or the libertarian party and I, i'm i am and have always been a registered republican I, i'm still of the belief that we have to fix the Republican Party from the inside out. I think that's kind of our only shot. <laughs> and it's not, and no disrespect to any LP guys, and God right. bless them, you know, do your thing, man. But I just, I think um, to really affect the change we need, uh, it's going to have to come from within the Republican Party. And it goes to, to what you guys do at, at, at Yale, too. Like, it's not like, we can't, you're not primarying Mitt Romney in Utah, right? Like, that's not going to happen. It's a waste of time and money to even try. He's going to win re-election by 50 points. But, like, and also, you, it's, you can be disruptive, and you can help steer the ship with a small group of guys, right? Like, yeah, Mike Lee and, and Rand Paul, and, and, and the, you know, there's not enough of them in the Senate to, to have, like, a, a Liberty Caucus in the Senate to really steer the ship and really give Mitch McConnell problems. But it's not like you need 40 of those guys. Like, you could do it with 10. I mean, if you had ten senators like like a, a Mike Lee and, and Rand mm-hmm. Paul, that's a, that's enough of a voting block that leadership has to take you seriously and has to yep. kind of give an inch to your position. And you can do it in uh, in in the House with I don't know fifty, sixty. You don't need three hundred. You know what I mean? You can do it. You can steer. You can steer a big ship with a small rudder. You know. So it's like. It, it seems daunting to a lot of people like us, liberty-minded folks. Um, it's like, man, how, uh, man, like we have to primary 19 senators. <laughs> no, that, right. that's not going to happen. At least it's not going to happen, you know, in 2022, 2024. But we can still affect change with a small group of, of good men and women in there. Yeah. I mean, it's just like Samuel Adams said. He has a quote that we like to point to here in the Yale office. Sometimes we put it on our social media pages and stuff like that. Uh, he said that uh, it does not take a majority to win but an irate, tireless minority keen on setting brush fires of liberty in the minds of men, right? Absolutely. I think that, they, that 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 absolutely goes the same for an institution like the United States Senate, right? We get a couple more Rand Pauls and there are a couple more Mike Lees, you know, people in our corner who are ready to fight for these ideas and, and really ready to shake things up and make things extremely inconvenient, uh, you know, for, for those in power, for the establishment. We, we can send a message. You know, we can make them, you know, we, we can make them... <clears throat> You know, uh, you really think twice and really make things inconvenient for them. Like, think about like you know, the left actually has an example of this, and I think the obvious example is the squad, right? Yeah. They're yeah. certainly not a majority, right? But you know, they know how to manipulate the media. Like, they know how to how to capture the headlines. You know, they understand. You know, 
just enough about how to how to make things inconvenient, you know, for for for, for the democratic establishment. Um, I think that uh, you know there's there's a lot of strength to the idea of having like a counter squad, right? And yeah. I think some people would argue that maybe maybe that is starting to form with like Lauren Boebert and Marjorie Taylor Greene and Matt Gates. Uh, yeah. I think there's probably there's probably there's probably some merit to that. Let's but I gotta some, be let's honest, get some, like, let's get some not, better. Let's get some better ones in there. Though. Yeah. It's, it's not who I would point to. Like it's not who it's not who I would pick. You know, you know, to, to be perfectly honest with you, I think that it sounds like we both agree here. Yeah. Uh, you know, in, in this conversation, but you know, like maybe maybe they're they're the seeds of something like that starting. There's definitely a demand for it. Right. And right. I think that you and I are not the only people who see the demand for that out there and and want to want to fill that demand. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. I mean, you saw it at the the Yale conference last week. Is it's a lot yeah. more than us ready to get their hands dirty and get involved. One more thing, I know we're running out of time, man, but we gotta we gotta touch on Afghanistan real quick before I let you go. Um, we've spent now twenty years and over true two trillion dollars uh, trying to train up the Afghan army to defeat the Taliban, and two thirds of the country, two thirds of Afghanistan, has fallen to the Taliban in a little over a week, a yep. week, one week, <laughs> a week, man. And and the takeaway from a lot of these folks is. You saw Dan Crenshaw say this uh, uh, over the weekend. Some of the, the takeaway from some of these people is, see, that means we shouldn't have left. It's amazing. It's, yeah. a, it's, it's amazing. I mean, we, as powerful as we are, we have the most powerful military in the history of the world. We take 20 years and $2 trillion, 1,000 dead American soldiers, yeah. 100,000 dead Afghani civilians, trying to train the Afghan army, and they fold like a lawn chair in a week. We have nothing to show for it. 20 yep. years with absolutely nothing to show for it. Just like the Soviets, just yep. like the Ottomans, just like the Mongols, nobody yep. has been able to tame Afghanistan for a thousand years. And the yep. arrogance, the arrogance that we thought we could, and the arrogance mm-hmm. of guys like Crenshaw that still think we can <laughs> somehow against all evidence. I mean, a pile of evidence the size of physically Afghanistan. And he still thinks we did the wrong thing by leaving. It, it's incredible. Yeah, I mean, it's like, I mean, the history is obviously there. The lesson is there waiting for us to learn it, right? It, this is the equivalent, like not learning from history is the equivalent of failing an, an open book test, right? Yes. But, you know, like it's it, it's baffling to me how many people are are either shocked or pretending to be shocked, right? Uh, or, or they're somehow trying to pin it on the anti-war crowd, right? Like, no, the anti-war crowd said from the very beginning, as long as we have been saying it's time to get out of Afghanistan and all these countries for that matter, we've been saying this is going to happen. It's it's an unfortunate reality, but it is going to happen, right? Yeah, um, yeah so, I mean, it sucks. And, you know, I was talking, talking with you about this right before we got on the show here. You know, one thing I wish we were doing different is – really making sure that people who worked as, let's say, like informants for the United States military or, you know, uh, or translators, you know, that kind of thing, you know, like helping, helping our men and women out over there. I I wish that we would do more to to get them out of that country, give them some sort of refugee status, give them asylum, give them a visa, something like that. Now, there was um, was just a couple of weeks ago, I read a, um, there was this, uh, this Afghani man who wrote a letter to President Biden saying, look, if you don't get my family and I out of this country, they're going to kill all of us. Like, they're, yeah. they're going to come to our house. Like, we're yeah. terrified day and night. They're going to bust down our door, uh, and they're going to massacre us. And as bad as it sounds, man, like, who knows if those people are even still alive at this point, you know? Like, like you said, two-thirds yeah. of the country has fallen in a week, practically, you know? So, and that's something people just don't think about enough, is that we have nothing to show for this. There, there's nothing. We're not... 
we're, we're not, you know, like doing what Wilson wanted, for example, and spreading our influence around the world. You know, Afghanistan, there's no, there's no weird scenario where Afghanistan leaves this situation more Americanized. No. There's nothing like that. There's nothing to show for this at all. Two trillion dollars wasted, hundreds of thousands of dead Afghanis, um, you know, Afghani civilians, uh, and then a thousand of our, of our boys and girls dead over there, right? So there's absolutely no win here. Um, and it was it was Todd Hagopian who put up a, a good tweet several months ago about Afghanistan that has uh, this stuck with me you know, ever since then. This was this was the day that Biden announced that he would be extending the withdrawal date to September 11th uh, of this year. Right? He said that you know this is nothing but political theater, and you know every single person that dies as a result of you know as a result of combat or non-combat related, you know, causes from our presence over there. Um, but, you know, between like May and September, that's going to be blood on Joe Biden's hands. And I totally agree. I think that Todd, Todd Agopian was absolutely on fire whenever he said that. Yeah, yeah, that's absolutely right. And and you're you're right about the, the Afghanis who have been helping out the U.S. military. Like, if we don't get them out of there before Kabul falls, which apparently could happen in the next week, they're, the mm-hmm. experts are saying that Kabul could be in the hands of the Taliban within a week, which is mind-boggling but um yeah we got to get them out of there i mean they're dead they're sitting ducks Mm -hmm. the taliban knows who they are they know where they live um we we need to do right by them and get them out of there it you know doesn't matter if we were there you know for for the wrong reasons we're there for too long we you know all, all this doesn't matter those guys that were helping us out we need to get them out of there or or and you mentioned this before we started recording if we don't what 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 message does that send to our allies if God forbid we have to go to war for for a legitimate reason and you know and, and actually fight a, a a superpower and we need allies on our side? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean if we if we can't save the lives of these guys that have risked their necks to help us out, what message does that send to our you know the allies we'll need next time around if God forbid something serious happens? Yeah, nothing good. I mean, like you know, why would you want to stick your neck out for an ally that won't do the same for you? You know? Oh man. Yeah, look at the, the, those poor Kurds, brother. I mean, it's yeah. been it's been thirty years. It's been 30, 30 years of uh, saying we're going to protect the Kurds, and it never really happens. Um, Reed, my brother, uh, we could do this all day, but I got to let you go. I know your time is valuable. Where can everybody follow you online, and where can everybody uh, check out Yal and get involved and and all that good stuff? Sure. Well, you can follow Young Americans for Liberty uh, at YA Liberty on Twitter uh, or myself uh, at J Reed Cooley. That's letter J R E E D Cooley, C O O L E Y. Um, y'all's website is just really simple, easy to remember yliberty.org. Everybody check out Young, Young Americans for Liberty. They are an absolutely incredible organization. Everybody follow Reed on Twitter. He's great. That's all I got for today. I'm Brady Leonard. I'll be back on Monday. No gimmicks. Thank you.